Oh. Anybody lose a pen? Oh, it's me. Okay. Hi, everybody. How are you? So uh, at the earlier service today, I asked for your forgiveness in advance because I don't know the order of your service. And so uh, I may blow it, but you're going to like me anyway, and you're going to be forgiving of me anyway. So my understanding is what we're going to do now is have about 30 seconds of silence just to ground and just to get us here. It's a busy time to get here. So let's just take a few moments to allow ourselves to ground. And from this place of peace, from this place of silence, I speak my word and know that spirit, life, love, the thing itself, the one thing, whatever we choose to call the all and everything is all there is. It is living and moving and breathing and acting through us and as us. And so I declare right now that spirit is speaking through me, that, that the words that I speak are heard, that those who have the ears to hear and the eyes to see hear what they need to hear today to move their life forward, to give them understanding, to give them spiritual awakening. And whether it be the beautiful music by Martin, whether it be the practitioners working, whether it be all of the volunteers, what I know is that each of us is here to give our gift. Each of us is here in spiritual community to love and to connect with one another. And so I declare that to be true today. I know that people hear what they need to hear and I speak what I need to speak and it is all good. I give thanks for this truth, and so it is. Okay, so at my center in Calgary, and, I, and, and you heard in the introduction, I've been there about three years, and what I realized is uh, that we didn't have a vision and a mission statement. Incidentally, I love the one that you have here. It's succinct, and it gives the idea. So uh, I brought together my leadership about mm, maybe three months ago and we decided to put together a vision and a mission statement because it's very important in leadership when you're doing something like this, it's very important to have a statement to act as kind of a litmus test for making decisions. Okay, something comes up. Okay, let's hold it against our vision statement. Does this support our vision statement? So in January, I did a series of talks on vision and mission, and I shared with them our brand new mission and vision statements, which I'm going to share with you right now. The Calgary Center for Spiritual Living is a beacon of spiritual illumination that inspires individuals to reveal their wholeness, co-creating a world that works for everyone. 
So can you see how that's going to work, right? If somebody comes in and says, I want to do a talk or, you know, I want to do a workshop on thus and so, we can say, does that support our vision of being a spiritual, a beacon for spiritual illumination? And if it does, yes, let's do it. If it doesn't, it's like, okay, not quite for us. See how that works. Then we also have a mission statement, kind of who it is and, and what we stand for. The Calgary Center for Spiritual Living makes accessible a way of living and thinking that reveals one's spiritual magnificence and personal power. We co-create an inclusive community that fosters an expansion of consciousness. They're good, right? They're nice. So I know, I know, I, was pre- I liked them. <laughs> So because we were doing a series of talks on vision, so one week I revealed this to the community, and then the next week we talked about our parent organization's global vision, the really, really big vision that I know Dr. Patrick has has shared with you all about creating a world that works for everyone, whatever that looks like, right? So we spent some time talking about that, and then continuing in that series, we learned how to create our own vision and mission statements, our personal vision and mission statements, because we discussed how important it was to have a mental equivalent, to have a visual image of how we would like our lives to look. Because that's the thing about being in partnership with the universe, is that we develop the mental equivalent of how we would like our life to work, and universal intelligence knows how to bring it about. It responds by corresponding to the pictures and the ideas that we have in our minds. You know this, right? That's basic teaching. It's very, very simple. It's just not always easy. Even for someone like me, who has been consciously doing this stuff for a really long time. And I'm going to share my story with you in a little bit. But first I want to talk a little bit about the vision of spirit. Because one of the things that is important to understand when you are in partnership with the universe is that it is its vision and mission, if you will, for us to grow. It doesn't want us to sit in the status quo for very long. I love this quote by Ernest Holmes, our founder. Nature will not let us stay in any one place too long. She will let us stay just long enough to gather the experience necessary to the unfolding and advancement of the soul. This is a wise provision. For should we stay here too long, we would become too set, too rigid, too inflexible. Nature demands the change in order that we may advance. When the change comes, we should welcome it with a smile on the lips and a song in the heart. Ah, right? A smile on the lips and a song in the heart. The challenge is that we as humans become complacent and we prefer to stay in our comfort zones long after they continue to serve us. We may say that we want growth and transformation, but not at the risk of actually having to change. 
Am I right? So instead of welcoming it with a song in our lips and a song or smiling, whatever the heck the quote is, we, we growl and snarl about it, right? So that's what brings me to my talk title today about thriving through metamorphosis. Because once again, nature provides us with the most amazing illustration of the process of transformation and change, both in nature and in our own lives. And the process of transformation or metamorphosis, while it is going on, is not particularly pretty. You know what I'm talking about here? That change, that metamorphosis, that transformation, while it is going on, can be really, really frustrating. But it is necessary. It is fascinating when you know what to look for. And it is ultimately worthwhile. At least that's what I'm counting on. <laughs> because as I shared with the group before this, I've been going through my own personal transformation or metamorphosis for a little while now. And it all started because last summer, I made the conscious decision that it was time for me to grow. Oh my. Now, you know, I've done growth. I've done a lot of growth stuff. I mean, I had the hugest growth opportunity probably in my life when I picked up and moved to Canada from California at 56 years old. Me and my two cats, right? But, but you know what? That was, thank you, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they did it. They just did it. They, did, they got the message before I did. And it was three years ago. I moved here three years ago, and, and the truth is, I rested on my laurels for quite a long time. I'd become kind of complacent in my life, and I, I needed to get things moving. So I made this decision, okay, it's time for me to grow. And I have had a lot of opportunities to let go of what didn't serve me anymore, including an inflamed and toxic appendix that resulted in not one, but two emergency appendectomies while I was on Thanksgiving vacation in Palm Springs, American Thanksgiving. Two appendectomies, you may say. Well, yeah, apparently they didn't get the whole thing the first time. So I had to go in two days later and have the exact same operation over again. And even, <laughs> even though I had consciously decided to shake things up, not like that, I was very, very upset and I was unprepared for the number of challenges that were presenting themselves to me for what I thought was a positive decision on my part. I'm going to grow. Okay. But here's the good news. This was not my first time metamorphosizing. Say that three times fast. In my lifetime, I've had several lifetimes. I've had several changes, several transformations, several reinventions of myself. And even though they were hard and distressing to go through, I ultimately emerged a better, stronger, more conscious me. 
So even while I was going through this last one, and it was a doozy, let me tell you, there was something within me that knew that it was for my best and highest good. And one of the reasons that something within me knew that it was for my best and highest good is because I had been through a metamorphosis before. I had been through transformation before. I had history. I knew what was coming. And I, so I ultimately knew that something good was going to come out of it. I just needed to remember it when the you-know-what was hitting the fan. So that brings me to the actual process of metamorphosis. Now, we all know, we've all learned, you know, there's several creatures that go through metamorphosis, but the one that we're most familiar with is what? The butterfly, exactly. So you remember what happens. The egg turns into a caterpillar, which then turns into a cocoon or a pupa or a chrysalis, which then turns into a butterfly. Okay, that's a nice story. We learned it in grade four or whatever that is. But what we may not have learned or what we may not have paid attention to was what actually happens inside the cocoon. Because that is where the real mystery, that is where the real magic of metamorphosis takes place. So when I was researching this talk, I found this beautifully written explanation for what actually happened. So rather than try to put it in my own words, I'm just going to share the report that I got. So it says here, the story usually begins... Sorry, I'm having a mic challenge. Here we go. The story usually begins with a very hungry caterpillar hatching from an egg. The caterpillar, or what is more scientifically known as a larva stuffs itself with leaves, growing plumper and longer through a series of molts in which it sheds its skin. One day, though, the caterpillar stops eating, hangs upside down from a twig or a leaf, and spins itself into a silky cocoon or shiny chrysalis. Within this protective casing, the caterpillar radically transforms its body, eventually evolving as a butterfly. But what does this radical transformation entail? How does a caterpillar rearrange itself into a butterfly? What happens inside the chrysalis or the cocoon? Well, first, the caterpillar digests itself releasing enzymes to dissolve all of its tissues. If you were to cut open a cocoon or a chrysalis at just the right time, caterpillar soup would ooze out. But... The contents are not an entirely shapeless mess. Certain highly organized groups of cells known as imaginal disks survive the digestive process. Before hatching, when a caterpillar is still developing inside the egg, it grows an imaginal disk for each of the adult body parts it needs for a mature butterfly. Discs for the eyes, the wings, the legs, and so on. In most cases, those imaginal discs remain dormant throughout the caterpillar's life. 
And once a caterpillar has disintegrated all of its tissues except the imaginal discs, those discs use the protein-rich soup all around them to fuel the rapid cell division required to form the wings, the antenna, the legs, the eyes, and all the other features of the adult butterfly. (laughs) And then, when it's ready, the adult butterfly begins to make its way out of the cocoon, emerging as something completely different than it had been, and yet still containing parts of what it was. Already within the caterpillar are the imaginal disks of the butterfly. So think about that now in terms of vision and mission. As we develop our vision of how we would like our lives to look using our imaginations, we are basically creating our imaginal disks within our own consciousness. And after a while, they begin to become stronger than the status quo caterpillar cells because they're vibrating at a much higher, more evolved level. And eventually the higher thought takes precedence over the lower thought and that's where transformation begins to take place. Unfortunately though, like the caterpillar, sometimes that transformation is kind of messy. In other words, as we are deconstructing the old way of being before emerging into the new way of being, we're in a soup of ickiness. Because what we used to know isn't working anymore, and we haven't become yet who we are becoming, so life can feel kind of bleak. And yet, as I said earlier, most of us We've been through something like this before. Maybe a major event like a relationship ending or a job loss or a health scare or or losing someone, a move, a crisis of faith, or maybe it's just a small crisis that we're going through, like, you know, a feeling of confusion or a friend that wasn't kind to you or something. Whatever it is, while you're in the transformational caterpillar soup, it sucks. And yet, you survived it. And in many cases, you actually thrived through it. And you look back at the old way of being, and you feel gratitude that the transformation actually happened. Even though you were kicking and screaming while it was taking place. Because again, as Dr. Holmes said, nature will not let us stay in any one place too long. She will let us stay just long enough to gather the experience necessary to the unfolding and the advancement of the soul. Nature demands the change in order that we may advance. So you may have consciously 
started the transformation like I did last summer by saying it's time to change. I'm, I'm open, I'm ready. Or maybe you started taking classes and you started visualizing a life for yourself that was different than the one you have. Or maybe you just did it unconsciously, like thinking, gosh, I wonder if there's more for me. Or wouldn't it be nice to dot, 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 whatever that is. Maybe you're not able to see the cause yet of your transformation. But either way, because we are spiritual beings having a human experience, part of our human experience is the transformation of one iteration to the other. And another. And another. But because we've been through it before, and we've come out on the other side, we can use that memory when we are in the caterpillar soup. For example, when I was recovering from my appendectomy, I was not feeling well. Be, you know, it's kind of had back-to-back surgeries. I, would, I didn't feel good for, you know, like a month or something like that. So I'm going through that, and I'm not feeling good, and my Thanksgiving vacation had been ruined, and I'd broken up with my boyfriend, and I was having this weird temporary financial challenges, and people were not being kind to me, and I was a little bit like, what the... What? You know what I'm talking about, right? And yet, even when I was going through it, there was something deep down, something that knew that even in the midst of the soup, the chaos and the ickiness, something important was happening. And I knew it because I'd been through it before. I had a cellular memory of having survived and thrived through other transformations. And so it gave me the faith and the strength to hold on through this one. Now that's not to say that I didn't do my share of teeth gnashing and crying out to the universe, why me? But I also knew that the universe was answering because little grasshopper, little caterpillar, it's time for you to grow again. There's more for you to know. There's more for you to experience. There's more for you to live. Now, one thing I want to say about transformation is that it doesn't mean that you are no longer you. Just as the original cells of the caterpillar are contained in the butterfly, so do you remain who you are, only enhanced and more conscious and more awake more aware. And one more thing I want to tell you about those imaginal discs, those imaginal cells, is deep within us, deep within each of us, are those imaginal discs of our own spiritual perfection. We don't need to think them there. We don't need to create them. They are simply there. Like the caterpillar 
awaiting our discovery of them. And a lot of us, we don't know they're there. We don't know that we are perfect, whole, and complete, that we have spiritual perfection. We don't know that. Just like the caterpillar doesn't know that it has the imaginal selves of the caterpillar, or the butterfly. But it's true, and they are there. Those imaginal discs contain the knowledge that each one of us is pure and perfect God essence. So it is our job, as we become more conscious and awake, is to discover them, to reveal them, to allow them to flourish in their fullest expression. And if that requires a little bit of deconstructing, living in the soup of transformation, then so be it. Because ultimately, the results are awe-inspiring. Thank you for having me here. It's been my pleasure, and so it is. <laughs>